Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachma. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Hello and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour, and today is Monday, February 20th, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives. As we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people and using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered, These tools are are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at whyagain.org. If you go to that website and click on the two words that say start here in the upper left-hand corner, it will take you to a place where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book. The title of his book is Why is this happening to me again? That particular chapter of the book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect for over 18 years to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again, absolutely free. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness, And if you do that, before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you choose to tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process. And it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. You can also download a whole host of audio files of shows just like this one where people have been stepped through the worksheet process. And if you choose to listen to those, they can serve as a tutorial for you to help you get the maximum benefits out of these tools in the shortest amount of time possible. And we hope people do that soon and often because Primarily, it's been our experience that when people apply these tools in their lives, it improves their quality of life. Secondarily, 
It tends to prompt comments and questions, answers and testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, we appreciate your doing so. You can call us right now at 563-999-3581. If when you call that number you press 1, it will put the little icon of a hand by your phone number. I'll announce you by your area code, turn on the microphone, and we can have a conversation. And we appreciate when people do that because that makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. The intention we have with this work is to be a service. And when people call in and let us know what's the best way we can be a service, it makes it easier for us to do just that. So today to begin our show, someone has a hand up. And I'm attempting to turn on the microphone right now for area code 541. And we're getting the spinning wheel of um, technology. Hello, area code 541. Did it tell you that you were in the air? That your microphone is on? Area code 541. If you're there, we can't hear you. If you're on mute, please unmute. Area code 541. Well, it seems like we have technical difficulties. Perhaps if you hung up and called back. Area code 541. So while we're waiting, um, we have time for a comment or a question. We have... Um, some spinning wheels of uh, technology, which usually mean it's trying to load something or function. And 541 had a spinning wheel for quite a while, and then an inability to hear, so I wonder if I am being heard at all. We are here on a Monday and about seven minutes into the show. So 541 has called back, and I will try to turn on that microphone again. 541, are you able to hear? Are you in the air? Yes, I can hear you. All right. I don't know if 541 is audible to anybody else. I'm going to hang up and call back in and see if that makes a difference. able to hear me by 4 one 
All right, I'm going to tap into somebody else here and see if they are able to hear me. Area code 610, Susan, are you there? I am. Can you hear me all right? I can hear you. Are you able to hear me? I can hear you just fine. I can hear Celinda very, very faintly. And there's also a sound of a sort of buzz in the background. <laughs> you are definitely okay, having so, technical problems. <laughs> and and so that buzz just went away and Celinda just dropped. So. Oh, okay. All right. So you can hear me clearly? I Just fine. And the whole intro was there. Uh, okay, excellent. Just fine. Okay. All right. Well, um, unless you have a comment or question, I'll mute you again so you can listen in, and we'll leave the call open for somebody who might have a question or a comment or raise a hand. Okay. Did uh, you have something? Sure. Why don't... <laughs> you know me. <laughs> There's always something. <clears throat> I hadn't planned to call in, but... Um, I was hoping that you were going to do your worksheets or follow-up on worksheets you were doing last week. On the um, fear about the negative outcome if I get a medical procedure or medical assessment on this knee? Yeah. the one you're referring to? Yeah. Right, yeah. But you know, um, well. So, so, so your your contribution is to simply ask me how that's gone. Well, the the report is that uh, I've done several more worksheets and had uh, a number of things. I had a an experience with my dad when he was older, where he eventually um, gave in because. He waited for as long as he possibly could, which is never what what, what the medical doctors want you to do. But the, and eventually they they gave him a hip replacement surgery, oh. and the hip replacement surgery involved um, a number of complications. Um, one of them was postoperative psychosis. Oh my God! That was quite uh, you know the. Uh, the life experience for my mother and I to help him through that when I was going through grad school and going home um, to support them instead of studying for my oral exams. And then beyond that, um, there was uh, The, the complication in the surgery itself where they didn't measure correctly when they put in the prosthetic for the femur and the hip. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so they made his leg longer on the side where he had the hip, which of course resulted in a lot of extra pain and suffering because the tendons and muscles are used to a different length of bone. And right. so he went through what he he described as torture, and it was you know in response to a, a a procedure that practically everybody he talked to prior to that hip replacement said, "Oh, you're going to be so glad you had it. It's like a breeze. 
you know, the pain is instantly gone. The rehab is relatively easy. You're going to be so glad you had it. And he had the opposite experience. Uh-huh. And so that and that came up in, in several different worksheets when I canceled the goal for the, you know, I, I, I had various goals about having the medical procedure go smoothly and, and whatever is needed. And, um, and I had very strong memories of that and and strong emotions related to having those memories come back so i did a few more worksheets on that and did some tapping and breathing and reassuring myself that this is you know it's a very different circumstance i'm a different person the, the, the medical profession has uh i'm trying to think back how many years ago that was um, it was almost 40 years ago. So there have been a lot of advances in knee and hip issues. and So so that's what I, I, I was greatly relieved after a number of worksheets to realize that that side of my memory was kicking up. Mm-hmm. And... Um, <laughs> And, and leaving me with, you know, a, a much more relaxed uh, set of thoughts and emotions about going for an evaluation later this week. Are you um, looking to a possible operation? Oh, I have that... no idea. I, I've, I've. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going in because it's, it's become intolerable at the level of discomfort and mm-hmm. um you know the 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 number of times and ways in a given day that the knee quote gives out etc so i'm just Boy. going for the first assessment yeah <clears throat> well it certainly is understandable why you would have had a lot of thoughts and fears around before doing those worksheets, because look what happened to your father. But it's true, you are a different person. That's an amazing lightening of your load by doing that worksheet. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it, clearly I didn't know until I did the worksheets and flashed on it how strong the memories were and how strong the emotions were around that. And... Mm. um and then when I bring it to the conscious awareness, I get to realize, well, now, wait a minute, you know, the the differences between my father and I are many and varied, especially when it comes to the physical, me being far more the athlete than he ever was, and um, mm-hmm. having, having um, maintained uh, athletic strength and ability far later in life than he did. So, you know, it's quite likely that whatever recovery needs to happen will happen better and easier in this body than he was experiencing in his body. Yeah. So, you know, just a lot of uh, awarenesses that when I have them at the conscious level, they're far easier to deal with. Right. And And to realize... They were there bubbling up from the unconscious level, which has probably been contributing to, um, 
you know, muscle tension in the jaw. I've noticed at different times, even in, in waking times, that my teeth are um, not grinding but touching, right, when my mouth mm-hmm. is relaxed, which is not the norm. So there's all mm-hmm. these other things about, you know, awareness that I've been able to step into as I do the worksheets. Mm. That sounds like a a great um, setup for doing tapping too. Oh yeah, yeah. I did a couple different rounds of EFT tapping over the weekend, just remembering because the the the, the situation with my, my father's hip surgery and and the post-operative psychosis was quite dramatic. And How it long was, did that um, last? Oh, something less than 10 days before he was completely lucid again, but, but a long time. Mm-hmm. And, and as a... Is that caused by medication, the psychosis? Well, you know, my knowledge of it is limited, but what I understand of it is that some people have post-operative psychosis just as a result of response to the general anesthetic. Oh, I see. Some people have post-operative psychosis as a result of having been dependent upon alcohol prior to surgery and not letting the people know and then going through withdrawal. Mm -hmm. Some people have it just because of the trauma. And, you know, if if they live to an advanced age, a mature age, and they've never had a major surgery, then there's the, the mental emotional shock to the system about this body, which we, train ourselves to believe is so solid and so whole and then it gets you know a, a major disruption in its energy field at the physical level and sometimes mm-hmm. people just they just have dramatically negative responses to that and your dad was also fragile anyway emotionally he had that manic episode you told about i don't know if he was diagnosed bipolar or something but he well that, spite of that having a look, is, it was 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 probably a factor for him because yeah he had been maintained on antidepressants and um and probably lithium and he didn't tell the surgeons that he had that he was on any of those so he went in and basically went cold turkey on all of those meds and had the trauma and the reaction. So he had like, you know, all these compounded factors. Yeah. Wow. So it was uh, another situation where, um, you know, the strength of our family and the strength of my mother was uh, a major positive impact, and we were able to help get him through that. And it was loaded with intense emotions. Well, I can see to see why. Yeah, you and had so a bumpy I, road. While, 
and, and so when I had those degrees. worksheets over this last weekend, I was able to tap into those and do EFT tapping sessions about it and mm. release even more energy on it. So great. I've been thinking about the use of medications so that you can get on with your life and do what you want to do as opposed to using the tools, which means probably more intense ongoing maintenance, but a quality of life that's probably better overall if you use the tools with or without, but hopefully without medications. I've been having a discussion with my daughter who has gone off an antidepressant having been on for years, and she says, I really like being off of them, but I find I have more emotions, a wider spectrum of feelings. I have to uh, do my breathing, and my she's a priest, so she uses prayer and meditation <clears throat> to be to stay okay. And sometimes when it gets pretty intense, and with her sons being in the situations they've been in she says sometimes I think I just ought to go back on my meds so that I can do my job and and have a a, a less wide spectrum of emotions but be more just have it be easier to function it's just been something we've been discussing she knows about the tools I use she does not use them she has seen the worksheets, but her whole profession has taken her in a different direction, and I don't push that, but she knows I've done the worksheets, especially with Luke, her oldest boy, who says they help him very much. Not that he's using them now. He's using AA, and that's really good, but yeah, it's just a very interesting thing, and you've made your whole profession uh, helping people use the tools and you seem to have this amazing passion. I mean, you run these groups at night that go for two and a half hours and watch it. Your appetite for it is impressive. It's great. It's like you've, you put your passion to work and it's your whole life's work. Well, it, it works for me. You know, I, I just had a session with a person who has been doing a lot of intense therapy work for the past five years or so and and is one of those people who wants to use the, the slightest possible amount of medication, whether it's antibiotics or anything else. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not like she won't take an antibiotic if it's needed, but she's at the other end of the spectrum from the people that, go to the doctor every time they have a sniffle and ask for an antibiotic. Right. And so it's the same thing with any any help for anxiety or depression. She's far more willing to go to a holistic or a homeopathy or you know, a nutritional consultant and see what can I change without adding a medication or mm. even an herbal remedy in my chemistry balance to assist me as I as I do the hard emotional work, the therapy work, yeah. and 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 what it what it results in is somebody who is 
very, very connected to their world and their emotions, even though they say at times, boy, I wish I didn't have to feel this. But they understand that if they're feeling it, there's a reason for it, and it's useful information. And if they put Mm -hmm. it to the use of, like we talk about in this work, it being my alarm system to tell me that there's something off in my conclusions or my thought process, then I can make a shift that benefits me and the people around me rather than Mm. just numbing out by using drugs or alcohol or something else. And that's not to say that an antidepressant or an anti-anxiety agent is always, you know, a bad thing or that people are running away from their issues. Sometimes they need the assistance of that to be able to function well enough to use the tools because mm-hmm. whatever is going on in their mind body energy system is so intense. Yeah. But when that happens, when people are actually doing the healing work, as Dr. Michael Rice talks about, he says there's treatment of symptoms, that's one level, and then there's healing, and they're not the same. Mm. And this one of those things you know, this morning as I was um, listening still to the uh, A Walk in the Physical, I believe is the name of the book, by Christian um, Sundberg. And um, again, I heard another chunk of his work that is just right in line with my personal experience and my professional psychology experience that whatever is happening, whatever I'm feeling, I have the full capacity to feel right through it. And that healing happens when I let myself feel rather than shut it down or run from it. And the healing doesn't happen when I distract myself or when I numb out or when I rationalize it away. Healing happens when I let myself feel it fully all the way through and keep my breath open and and or, you know, bring those negative psychological conclusions to the surface to be seen. So um, it was just another very, very strong parallel between what I have learned works well in therapy and what mm-hmm. Christian is saying he was getting from his intuitive guides and his pre-life experience, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And that's why I like these tools because it helps. It is, it's, it's a powerful set of assists for people if they want to feel through, if they want to do the work and just mm-hmm. feel through it. Because the EFT tapping helps me get through things that are rather intense. The goal canceling helps me get through things that are rather intense. The targeted journaling that Michael calls the mind shifter tool helps shift my experience, bring those things out of the subconscious and unconscious realm to the conscious level where they lose 
their ability to have such a, a powerful impact on me. For instance, going into this weekend, I was having more and more, you know, kind of negative thoughts about the upcoming doctor's appointment and the possibility of uh, the pain in the leg being such that I wouldn't even make it to the doctor's appointment, et cetera. And when I started doing those worksheets and tapped into this history of life experience with my father and several other people that I've, uh, as I mentioned on Friday, I've had people in my caseload recently who've had powerfully negative experiences with the medical profession Mm. and, and have that clash with their intuition about what they should be doing. And so when I did these worksheets and brought this stuff from the unconscious to the conscious level, I feel a lightning. I feel a release of the tension. I feel um, I, I go for you know an entire half a day without any thought about the upcoming doctor's appointment, whereas before that it was this constant <laughs> nagging thought and negativity. Yeah. When I let myself feel it and bring it to the conscious level, it loses the vast majority of its power to influence me. And does that in turn affect the level of pain you feel in your knee? Yeah, at times. That's such an interesting thing. Well, especially because there's a certain amount of the discomfort I'm going to feel in my body that comes from tension right and and tightness as opposed to just being relaxed and letting it flow now it's certainly not oh my knee is healed but there no. is a difference yeah. in 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 the you know the level of the constant discomfort when i'm relaxed versus when i'm feeling tight and tense yeah and you've probably explored all the physical therapy options. Well, I've done a lot of things over the years to stay healthy, yeah, to have yeah. you know, to, to be, to keep the movement level up, to do stretching, to to take the supplements that will, you know, are reportedly good for cartilage and to reduce inflammation. All that stuff. Hmm. I had to chuckle because, uh, you know, at my age when I when I go to a doctor, they say, so bring in the list of medications you're on. I know, yeah. And I just <laughs> I just chuckle because they don't, they're not saying, are you on any medications? It's been years since anybody's asked me if I'm on medications. They just mm-hmm. say, bring in the list. Right. When they say, you know, when they see my date of birth, the powerful assumption is I'm on a list of medications, which says a lot about our. Yeah. <clears throat> and and I literally get pushback when I say I'm not on anything. Yeah. That's just the state of our current allopathic medical, uh, I'll call it, 
complex. It's an industry. Yeah. And it's it's great for trauma. It's great for, you know, certain really urgent situations where there's been a major disruption in the body's energy system. It's just not so good for the chronic and long-term situations. So, other comments, other questions? Well, have you I have been a, doing any worksheets lately? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Well, you gave me a mind shifter that's like this ongoing mess, absolute mess. Uh, I even forget the exact wording of the mind shifter itself. It's like uh, whatever. Uh, I'm okay in myself. I don't need reassurance from other people. I don't need the good opinions of other people. I should go get it. But I've gotten to the point where I talk into my iPhone and I do all the rebuttals, release attachment to outside validation. Well, I haven't done it, you know. I'm just looking at it. I release attachment and I find out I'm very disappointed because something happened and Nobody said anything, or I did a performance, and only four people came up and said anything. And, you know, the, the attachment is huge, so it's ongoing. I don't even want to talk about it at the moment. It's sort of like a, a wheel going on in my head. I'm just observing the attachment to validation from outside, which is pretty impressive. So that's that one. And then I had a dream the other night. There was a I have a friend who posts the most bizarre, weird things on Facebook. She posted a picture of a very, very ripped, muscular man covered with tattoos and a very slight, pretty woman with her arms around him. And the comment was, every woman's dream. And, of course, you can imagine the comments. Some women writing in, yes, no. Well, I looked at the guy and thought, Oh my God! This is too much. Too many muscles. This is this man has disappeared behind his armor. But then I had a nightmare that he had come into my bedroom, was sitting on top of me, and his thumbs were in my throat, strangling me. And literally, I woke up feeling the pressure of his thumbs in my throat and having trouble breathing. Tim Bingham says, "Have you done a worksheet on that?" And I said. No, I'm not the least bit interested in that dream. That dream has nothing to do with me. And I'm thinking, is that true? You know, so there's a worksheet probably needs to be done of what. Well, how could you say, well, let me ask you a question. How could you say that a dream you had has nothing to do with you? I know, I know. You're right. It's true. I just don't want to deal with it. I don't want to look at it. I don't okay. want to bother well, with that, it. That's, that's far more accurate, and that's fine. I'm, I'm, if, you, if you say, I just don't want to deal with it, I say, okay. But if, if you say that dream has nothing to do with me, I, I think it's important to point out your dreams don't <laughs> have right. anything to do with anything but you. I know your 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 dreams are just your mind working when the filters mm-hmm. have been taken off. 
the filters of the ego and the superego. Yeah. I guess I have felt that I just don't have a clue about how to approach that dream. You know, my I don't have any goal about that guy. Oh, yes, you certainly do. When he's on top of you? Yeah. Yeah, you want your personal space. You want to be free to choose what you do. You don't want anybody trying to strangle you. Absolutely. You want to have ease in in breath and, and movement. So there's all kinds of goals you could set up for that, from that dream. You know, I hear what you're saying, and you're making total sense. I have no energy associated with that man. There's no, uh, after I woke up, I just thought, wow. It's not about the man. It's about anyone or anything trying to control you or punish you or cut off your ability to breathe. or It's about any thought or issue in your life that leaves you feeling con- constricted or contracted and having difficulty breathing or <laughs> holding you back. or It's about anything you might have a fear of. It's not about the man. Right? It's about the internal dynamics of the person who's having the dream. Does that make sense? Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> that does make <laughs> Unfortunately because I really didn't want to do any worksheets. But remember <laughs> right. we be, but remember we began with you don't need to do any worksheets if you don't want to do worksheets. It's not about what you should do is is about options. If and when you decide you want to do worksheets on it, go ahead and here's how. If you don't want yeah. to then go on with your life. And take a pill. <laughs> no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well you just you just flip the switch. So I think I have an idea what it is. It's just more, more pronounced. More, uh, it's an unwelcome example of what I do. I'll, I'll do it, Doctor. <laughs> I will. I what, promise. What, what do you mean? What, what is an unwelcome example of what you do? Well, I've been doing these wake-up sheets, and I've been doing the gentle art of blessing, which I'm telling you has stirred everything up um, it's brought all my demons right up onto the front porch and it it this this man is like the concentrated example of the demons on the front porch. And there's more to look at. I haven't done enough looking at it to be able to say anything at this point, but he's powerful. 
and um, I'm practicing the gentle art of blessing, but it isn't always gentle, and it isn't always natural. And I've gotten the habit going. It's a practice, but um, there's a lot of dark stuff that's being stirred up about that. My my critical self is right there in my face. Well, it is there to be worked on when you're ready. I mean, that's that's the that's the good news of it being there in my face. The bad news of it being there in my face is it's often not very comfortable. No, it isn't. But the good news is you have awareness of tools and a facility for using them that can be of tremendous value. Yeah. So, do you want to just breathe through that and leave it there and or do you want more conversation to stimulate different aspects of it? Is anybody else on the phone? Did there are quite a few callers but no one with a hand up. <laughs> there are 10 callers. Wow. Oh. Well, nothing's formed in my mind, so I wouldn't. I'm I'm really pre wake up sheet mentality okay. here. <clears throat> All right. Well, then we'll leave it at that, and we'll invite okay. anybody who's heard any part of this to comment or question. Five six three nine 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 three five eight one. Call that number and press one. And you can have some feedback for me or for Susan on what we've been talking about so far related to worksheets and processing emotions. Or anything else we've talked about over the past. I tell you though, Susan, if you uh if you want do you have uh, fairly vivid memories of when we were reading the course of love? Yes. Why? Just that this this audio of Christian reading his uh, a walk in the physical is is even more loving. Really? It's more, yeah. It's just it's just very. You know, the bottom line is he has slightly different ways to say all the stuff we talk about here. Your true essence is love. You can't fail. I mean, there's. It's almost as though he's taking things out of the um, the way of mastery and the course in miracles, and just and it flows. You know, of course, this is for my sensibility as I'm listening to it. And um, so it's an audio book. Yeah, he has. You know, you you can get his book for free off of his website and read it, but I. 
do so many of you know my exercising or my my morning routine or my dishes or whatever uh, yeah. folding laundry and things and I have this stuff in the background and so I like to have the audible I love and it so too what's his full name and the name of the book <laughs> the book is a walk in the physical mm-hmm. okay and um it's it, it's really the first part of it is quite quite rough because it's uh and he says the difficulty here is that audible has these and amazon have these requirements that you read the book verbatim and so the first part of it is quite interrupted with all of these citations oh boy but when you get to the second part where there's essays, he's just reading through the essays, and it flows, and it's quite, as, as I said, to my sensibilities, quite loving, quite positive, quite reaffirming. Well, that's good. I, <clears throat> I've been listening to a wonderful novel by Wendell Berry. I think that's his name. Um, Jaber Crow. I told Michael Rice about it. It is, to me, it's a novel. He's a poet. But it's a novel beautifully, beautifully written, uh, narrated, read by a wonderful reader who can impersonate all the different characters with little changes of voice, and yet it's not unnatural. But the thing I love about it is that this is a book that shows me kind of the human being that Michael always says we all need to be. He's, he's a man who lives aware of his own feelings, but basically from a stance of the gentle art of blessing people who come into his life he accepts just as they are he sees their quirks or even faults but he isn't triggered by them at least as far as I had gotten I'm about almost a little past the halfway through now and there is one character in the the book who really just plain has it in for him and that bothers him very much but on the other hand, he isn't triggered to hating this person. He's just triggered to be uncomfortable in her presence and puzzled by how she acts toward him and treats him. <clears throat> but the book is just reading about it, just hearing how he's the narrator of his own story. And it's like watching a fully human healthy person function in the world. And I was so into it that when I went to services at my church this last week, we had this huge Shrove Tuesday thing, which didn't happen on Tuesday. It was a pancake brunch with all sorts of the kinds of goodies that people give up for Lent if they do. And I felt as if I was literally him living in his world and I was able to see everyone through his eyes and observe them and I know a lot of them 
so well. Overall, he ends up loving everyone, even the most difficult characters. He even said at one point, because he's, a, among other things, in his tiny little town, he became a grave digger. Uh, he was a barber and a grave digger, and it's a section of his church. All sorts of odd jobs. Lives very simply. But he said, some people do us quite a favor by dying. I mean, he'll make these comments. But you can tell he is not. <laughs> All right. He, he's observing and accepting and really accepting to the point where it's a blessing and loving these people who are completely obnoxious. And there are some in every town. But I feel as if he's kind of a living example of what I've been trying to learn to do by using the tools. So highly recommended. Wonderful. What's the title again? It's called Jaber, J-A-Y-B-E-R, Crow, C-R-O-W, by Wendell Berry, W-E-N-D-E-L-L. You may know him. He's a very well-known poet. And it's read by Paul Michael. I don't know who Paul Michael is, but I've never heard a better reader. And you know how readers can ruin a book. Um, Yes, I've experienced that. (laughs) Yeah. So it's totally delicious. If I wake up in the middle of the night, I'll listen for a while. And you can put on a timer. You probably know this. It'll just quiet to nothing at certain after 30 minutes or an hour or whatever. And But the hard thing about listening to a book when you're trying to sleep is you'll go to sleep and you'll miss a lot. So I'm always going to the previous chapter and sort of refreshing myself and seeing what I missed. Um, and it's about, I think it's about a nine-hour listen, all told. So you listen in chunks. Totally, totally delicious. If I have to make a huge salad or do something arduous and repetitive in the kitchen, I'll stick in my earphones and listen to this. And this is sort of new. It's like a whole new dimension to life. Now, you've probably done this for years, but I never really took advantage of audio books before. Yeah, it is uh, one of my favorite ways these days to take things in. I'll go on a bike ride and Half the time I'll be listening to the outdoor sounds and half the time I'll be listening to a book or an old radio show archive or whatever. So, mm. All right. That's, Can you, uh, that's delightful. Go ahead. I was just going to ask you, are you able to ride your bike with your knee? Well, I'm, I'm doing it on the, uh, on the trainer in the house during the I winter see. months. So, yeah. yes, I'm, I am. I'm, I don't know whether it's making things worse or not, but it is um, it is an activity that I'm loath to give up. So <laughs> I understand. Yep. All right. Anything else other than Jaber no, Crow? <laughs> No, unless somebody doesn't have a hand up, in which, yes. <laughs> All right. Nobody has a hand up. We've got about seven minutes left. What's up? 
Okay. This is about medication again. My son's youngest boy has OCD and tremendous pain and anxiety when he has his attacks of OCD. And one day, I might have told you this because it started about two weeks ago, my son has some Klonopin in the house that he used to be on. And he just said, I know it's just unethical as heck to give a pill to your kid, but I couldn't stand what pain he was in. I gave him half a dose, and in 40 minutes, he was saying, Dad, what did you give me? I feel like myself. I feel much lighter. He was talking about taking his own life. And my son was just up to the molding with fear and sorrow about his boy. And the kid is saying, Dad, I feel so much better. And they, they ate supper together and they watched a TV show. And then the next day it had worn off and the OCD came. So Jonathan called his son's doctor. And the doctor said, I don't really like that he could be on that because it's got some long-term effects. And But on the other hand, sometimes in a, an intense case like this, just what you were saying, Dr. Tim, um, sometimes you need a boost like that. And he said if he could stay on it for a short period of time and sort of get past the immediate constant OCD stuff, he may be able to ease off of it and the worst of it will be over. We don't know for sure, but that's something that does happen. So now the boy is taking Klonopin, but he's bright and inquisitive and he's been online reading about how long-term effects of Klonopin is Alzheimer's and deterioration of this part of the brain and He's a health food fanatic and very, very vigorous. He works out. and He's saying, I don't want to be on it. And his dad is saying, just be on it for a while. Do you see how much better you feel? And uh, one of the the major objects of my son's, son's OCD is my son. My son can say not, he can't say anything, but what he gets questioned and zeroed in on and pestered. Um, and it's driving them both nuts. So I, I would love to hear your take on what my son did and well, that, what the doctor said. That fits into what I said earlier, is there are times when you know, the use of the medication can allow somebody a respite from this uh, severely abusive pattern and give them the energy mm-hmm. they need to be able to start addressing some of the healing that needs to happen. Yeah. Mhm. So that's the well, only comment that's... I would have on it. Yeah. You know, if somebody is well, in, in such intractable discomfort, whether it's the mental emotional obsession or the physical pain or you know, I'm 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 feeling suicidal or whatever, then I encourage them to use whatever meds they need to stabilize and to strengthen their ability to function lovingly mm-hmm. and then get about the work of healing. And I hope they can do that without using tools. This is a young boy who just won't. He used a wake-up sheet, Jeannie's uh, app, 
a couple of years ago he did one and he he was restless throughout and he didn't really get into it and he hasn't used it since and I'm not aware of any trauma in his own life he's had a very attentive loving pair of parents a wonderful older brother that he got along with very well so I think well if there's something generational going down certainly his dad has had anxiety and depression since a teenager and his dad's dad my husband Tim Bingham has anxiety and depression starting in adolescence that in itself is probably a trauma um, maybe Charlie has um, that's what he would need to work on but I can't see the wake up sheet addressing that directly he doesn't seem to have issues like that he just feels terrible with this OCD and I guess that's a question you know what do you do when there isn't an issue that you can tell it it he feels terrible that's an issue oh yeah but there's nothing to hang the hat on there are all kinds of things to hang the hat on the the very next obsessive negative thought the goal that I want to feel relaxed when I'm all tight and tense they're all all the usual things to hang the hat on okay. dealing directly with whatever's up in the moment but what you've already said is he's not really interested in it so there there's a, a way in which there's nothing to hang the hat on but you know that's that's part of um What's the old adage, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear? Oh, yeah. So when he's ready, you know, he might wake up and see, oh, my gosh, look at this set of tools that my grandmother presented to me. Wouldn't that be nice? But, but, Tim, but when you know, he's I not ready. Even... Say again. Right. It didn't even occur to me that the subject matter of his OCD is the worksheet material. Duh. You know, all of a sudden I can see I can see presenting a worksheet if he'd be open. Okay, that's great. You just click the door open. All right. We like to hear that. So we're down to our last minute and I will uh Thank you for the call and comments, and I'll remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false. And this is your second hour. It's called the Book Club Worksheet from June. Yeah, um, Do you want to give us a brief outline of what your worksheet's about, just so we've got an yeah, understanding of where we're going? I'm doing a sort of a daily lesson course at the moment and I think today's one talked about that um, if you keep yourself invisible then no one can see your needs and if you um, unless you're seen you know no you can't tell people your needs and so on so I realize that's a theme for me that I, I keep myself invisible and okay. um, it's I just to sort of work on that really because it's been a theme for a very long time okay. and um, um, I would like to step into the light. Obviously, I'm scared, but I would like to be seen so that I can communicate. Um, okay. my, you know, just my talents and, and sh- g- genuinely share things. Right. So is there anybody in your life in particular that this plays out with, that we could do a specific worksheet? Hmm. Is there a person? Or, 
you know, might be a boss, might be a lover. Yeah, I, might be... I think it could be in every aspect of life, but probably um, it's probably more difficult in 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 a working thing. Well, no, it could be in a personal relationship as well. Yeah, I, I, um, I'm not sure. I think I've gone invisible again. <laughs> okay. Well, we we're here to support you being fully, completely visible. Okay. And, I think I hide from myself as well. Yeah. And, and notice that we're a safe space for you to do that. And Thank one of the you. reasons we hide is because usually we have a stored experience of it not being safe. Yes. And that's what you want to access and forgive. Right. So. I, do, I do know the experience. Tell me more about that. What does that mean for you? Um, I just, um, at primary school, I got sent out of the class every day, every day for about two years. And I just used to hide in the coats. And Because if you were seen outside of the classroom having been sent out, then if a teacher or yeah, a head teacher or somebody walked past, then you got really rollicked. It was it was not nice. So you just hid. Okay. Um, and, yeah. And I just, I'll just do that, really. That's a bit of a theme okay. for me. Sounds like good worksheet. So it sounds like then the core of this issue is the desire for safety. Yes, that sounds want to be safe. Okay. So you put your name in number one A and okay. acknowledge yourself as love. So I who am love am feeling. Okay. So what are the feelings that come with this? Um, you know, here I am hiding in the among the coats, and if I'm seen, I'm going to be well, probably well, told off, really judged. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, what's the feeling on that? Uh, very much scared, yeah, and ashamed, okay, um, really, shame. Okay, so if there's fear and there's shame, mm. that would be two different worksheets. Yes. And so let's, seeing as how fear came first, let's start with the fear one, and I'll suggest that you plan to do, you know, after we complete this, do another worksheet on exactly the same thing, situation okay. and do that on shame. Okay. That will be a whole different, you know, in order for the mind, when when you think of, how amazing it is that this mind is so powerful. You know, I'm sitting in a room right now where my brain shows me a clock sitting over there. It shows me a light. It shows me a television set up in the corner. It shows me a computer. And, and like, it's really got me, like, I could easily believe that I'm seeing all those things out there as opposed to, there's enough data about those things firing in me that I recognize my mind is generating literally that whole world that I see. In yes. order for that to happen, there's a huge amount of data going on under the surface to produce that. Mm. And so what we're going to do is thread by thread. And the, and the data is based in thoughts. The data is based in mind energy. It's interesting. If you go to the opening words in the book of John, and we'll talk about the, the ancient scriptures here, and they're presented to us as something religious, 
my background's in electronics, a size study in physics. And as a physician, when I first came in touch with the Aramaic translations of these words, what struck me is this has got anything to do with theology. This is just how the mind works. This is how physiology works. This is how energy systems work. This is about physics and physiology and psychology and genetics. So getting to the reality of it. So if you, if you listen to the opening words in the book of John that the, the churchianity folks told us says, in the beginning was the word and the word became flesh, you go, what, what does that even mean? If you go to the Aramaic, what it says is in the beginning was the mind energy and the mind energy became flesh. Literally, when I think of thought, what, this, what the cell biologists are now showing us, when I think of thought, that thought becomes a molecule inside of my energy field. That molecule circulates around in my structure until it finds a receptor site with a cell that matches. When it lands on that cell, it inserts itself inside of the cell energetically. And if we were looking from inside the cell, what we would see when that neuropeptide lands on the receptor site and inserts itself, what we'd see coming into the cell would be what we call chemistry. Now, it's all energy, but it's, this is mind energy literally showing up on what we call a physiological level as chemistry. And so not only is it becoming what we call the chemistry in our structure, but it's becoming the construct. It turns it into the constructs that we see. So what we're going to do thread by thread is learn to develop the skill of being able to access that neuropeptide that perhaps has been there for 10 generations or perhaps happened to me when I was seven and, and in the cloakroom or I stepped out for the first time and somebody raged at me or whatever, what we're looking to do is to be able to access that mind energy, be able to decode it, and throw it away. So that literally that chemistry of fear that's in the cell has been removed. That's forgiveness. And so each emotion is reflective of a different thread in the perceptual constructs that we have. So we're going to just pick one at a time. In this case, we're going to use the fear thread. Okay. And so that would be the thought. So now I'm going to remember to do that next, that other emotion or any other emotion, a separate worksheet. Okay. And then we'll just step into hostility and fear are from internal corrupt data. So, when my mind is generating a perceptual construct that is accurate about what's happening in the actual world, you know, that Harvard research I talked about, 10,000 brain cells are firing, 10,000 measurable units of electrical activity happening in the brain, nine bits of data go into perception. It's been estimated in that same time frame, which is about a 25th of a second, there are perhaps as many as 20 trillion bits of data in the actual world. So there's actuality, what's actually going on, and then there's my perceptual construct, my reality. And whenever the mind is using any form of hostility or fear, that means that my construct, the world that I'm seeing, is built out of data that's been corrupted. Yes. Now, if you're working on your computer 
and all of a sudden you're, you know, you're doing a calculation or whatever, and you get a warning, corrupt data, what just happened? Nothing your computer is telling you is going to be reliable. I'd offer that when hostility or fear is moving, nothing your mind is telling you is going to be reliable, and you want to collapse that. Now, we live in a culture that says, oh, you know, a little rage, a little fear never hurt anybody. Well, my offering is it's the only thing that could ever possibly kill us, and it's time for us to clean it up. So here's how you clean it up. Okay. So hostility and fear, if you're following along the worksheet, now we're down below step 1B, are from internal corrupt data and indicate my use of sustained incoherence to build this disturbing internal construct. So here I've got this construct in my mind that's painful to me. There's a psychologist, or pardon me, a uh, um, physicist named David Bohm who coined this term sustained incoherence. David Bohm was a cohort of uh, Einstein's. He actually worked in Einstein's laboratory. He actually worked on doing some of the math with which they developed the atomic bomb. He was a genius in many realms, and he also worked in the realm of psychological research. And in essence, here's David Bohm's definition of sustained incoherence. I deny that the thoughts that are corrupt in me are producing my pain. I've built a picture in my mind that my pain's caused by somebody else. I refuse to own that my pain is caused by my own thinking. So I'm going to keep thinking that way all the while blaming everybody else. David Bohm's basic definition of sustained incoherence. And most of the world's living in sustained incoherence. Whenever you rely on your mind's hostility or fear constructs, you're in sustained incoherence. And it's nuts to live there. But, you know, most of the world is nuts. I mean, just take a look at what's going on. How crazy can it get? It's yeah. time for us to individually and collectively clean it up. Mm. So my denial causes my CBM. What is CBM? If carbon you were to ask memory. carbon-based memory, okay, you got that one. But for everybody else who's listening, Carbon-based memory, if you asked a modern-day physicist to check out your body and, and tell you what it's made of, the base element in your structure is carbon. And that's where memory is stored. And hmm. there's no energy that passes through this energy system that isn't stored in this carbon-based memory system. Okay? Yeah. So, so here we are stuck in a construct out of carbon-based memory, and that goes against us living out of our true nature is love. The truth about each of us, you know, if you hold a newborn child and tap into their essence, the essence of human life is love. But if we've been loaded with all of this in sustained incoherence and this generational insanity, we don't think of ourselves as love, and they sure didn't give us messages when they told us to go to the coat room that we were love. Or when we stepped out that, you know, we were given insane ideas. And so what needs to happen is we each need to face that world of sustained incoherence in us and begin to clean it up. And that means cleaning up carbon-based memory, literally cleaning up on an atomic level the energetic patterns that are stored within the structure. And when I live in denial, and in this work, there's a very specific definition of denial. And denial is the either thinking or speaking as though something outside of me 
is the cause of what's moving inside of me. So when I say Bill, mad is moving inside of me, Bill made me mad. I'm now telling, I'm now living in denial. I'm telling my mind it's not allowed to show me the truth that this is my mad, because if I own it, I could throw it away. But if it's Bill's and caused by Bill, of course I can't. So my denial causes my carbon-based memory to displace my experience of myself as my essence, love, and tells me the lie that this emotion, my emotions are caused by my trigger. Yeah. Now, you notice that word trigger is underlined and in bold and in yeah. italics. Must be something important about it. Most everybody calls the triggers in their lives the cause. And so they live in a totally false construct driven by the goals based on believing that cause is out there. What we're looking to do is to step in here to clean that up, which is inside of us. So that denial blocks my awareness of myself as love and tells me the lie that my emotions are caused by somebody else. So now I'm going to look at what the story is I'm telling myself based in the first parts of number one. So my story, my reality is that your object of attention would be the teachers or a specific teacher involved? Um, um, I think it sort of became everything. I think, I think in the end I took it on board and I, I did it for them. You know. but, but, but we don't, now we're switching issues. Yeah. We're okay. switching out of, there's a specific emotion that I'm feeling. I'm being hiding out in the cloakroom and I've yeah. got this fear. And who, what, who am I telling a story about? Who's the object of attention? If I move from this specific to a general, well, you know, it's kind of like, well, like this and this and this. Mm. I just shifted out of the piece of work that I'm heading toward. So I want to stay on track with this specific situation. So is there a specific teacher that was involved in the scenario? Yeah, there was, yeah. Okay, let's put her name or his name in. It was in his name. Way. His name's Mr. Bolger. Okay. So number one C would be Mr. Bolger. Yes. And if you were to describe what happened, how would you describe that? Um. So my story, my reality is that Mr. Bolger yeah. well, found me out notice there. What's hap- yeah. Notice what's happening with your breath right now. Yeah, it's difficult to speak. I'm hiding again. Yeah. Well, what happens is the, the movement of breath is what moves mind energy in the system. And there's something that I don't want to look at and don't want to deal with. And you'll notice at the end of this sentence, there's a sentence and several other sentences in the worksheet. There's a reminder to breathe because when I shut my breath down, that's how I keep that stuff hidden. Literally, that's how I create an unconscious mind. Mm -hmm. So we want you to breathe. And tell me the story about Mr. Folger did. Um, Yeah, it found me in the corridor, took me into the classroom and then then spoke about it. So called you up on the carpet, so to speak. Yeah, in front of everybody, just sort of, you know, liar, whatever, all sorts of accusations. Uh, because I, I just got sent out for talking or being busy or just not being naughty. Right. But anyway, there we go. But it happened every day, every day, every day, get out. Mm. Two, two hours, two and a half hours, every day. 
Take a big breath. Let your shoulders move on that one. Ah, yeah, let it open. Hmm. Time for you to stop carrying that load of energy around. Yeah. Time for forgiveness here. Okay, so then just jot that in and, and breathe. And then you'll notice that a, a little hand points over to the right. Yeah. Now, all my life, my mind's been telling me that, you know, he was the problem. But then if I remind myself, if they, if Mr. Folger is the one with the problem, why am I the one with the pain? Now, clearly in that situation, Mr. Folger had a problem. I mean, wasn't a very nice guy. wasn't a very conscious guy. But today, decades later, I'm carrying around pain. I want to recognize that this is mine and it's about me. It's not about him. He's got his own work to do. Yes. Okay. So then let's step into number 1D. The truth is only my thoughts cause my emotional upset. So here I am in fear. What you want to do here is you want to identify the specific mind energy that you use to create this fear. And so the thought, and again, as with the emotions, use a separate worksheet for each one, specifically related to the fear that you identified in number 1B, what's the thought? that causes this fear in you. When you think this thought, it goes mm. to fear. Being told off. Okay, so I'm going to be told off. Mm. Told off, embarrassed, centered mm. out. Mm. Yeah, yeah, judged. Judged, okay. Mm. That's probably the word. There's the one with the energy. Mm. So I'm going to be judged. Mm. And then number 1E is there a punishment thought toward Mr. Folger? Um, if you went back that first time and you're standing there, what would you, if you'd have had the power, what would you as a young girl have said or done? You know, there are no consequences. You just, you're there, you're, you, you got permission would, to do yeah. whatever. I would like what to say that? that's not true. That's not true. Yeah. Yeah, but with all that fear going on and the way you've been embarrassed, mm -hmm. is there something maybe a little more that you might want to do to him? Mm -hmm. Breathe. Like I can easily imagine if that were me, that I might even be wanting to kick him in a certain part of the anatomy. <laughs> Punishment. Well, I was perhaps. pretty powerless. It was pretty awful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in that, he, he, he was quite scary. He used to um, cane children as well. Mm. Uh, so, and I so watched him do that too to some other child. He was really quite a beast. Yeah. So if you'd have been had the power at that time, what would you have done to that beast? Oh, I'd taken that stick, <laughs> hit him with a stick. And have used it. Okay. So there's oh, your punishment thought. That feels very good to say that. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's, you're tied to move the energy. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so you're acknowledging the part of yourself you've been hiding from yourself and that yeah. always feels good. Yeah. So I wanted to punish Mr. Folger by picking that stick up and using it on him. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then on yourself, what's, was there a punishment thought toward yourself? Um, Notice what's happening with your breath. I know. And shut this it's, down. 
I know, so I know. You ask me the questions and I go all blank uh, yeah. and because I'm hiding again. I'm going invisible. And There's your punishment thought I'd suspect toward yourself is I have to just be invisible. Yes. I'm going to disappear. Yes. So that's what I'd put there for your punishment thought toward okay. yourself. Okay. And then once again, you'll see that hand points to a little box. And the box, you know, most often the traumas that we hold are instilled in the mind and accompanied by words. Yes. So verbal release can be a powerful way. You know, words are representative of mind energy. Verbal release can be a powerful way of starting to cause that energy that's perhaps been held for decades to exit carbon-based memory. So this little box introduces the idea of verbal release. I want to start to tap into the presence of love in me and, and be in a willingness space to take all of this accumulated energy. And what tends to happen when we have an experience, you know, at the age of four, is we tend to play that out. We'll see at the end here. We tend to play that out over and over and over and over and over again our whole lives. Yes. And the whole idea of this forgiveness process is to put an end to that cycle. Especially, yes. Especially the self-punishment. I still do that. I work at a school and I'm, I, I, you know, I, uh, I always assume if the head wants to speak to me, I'm going to get told off. Um, I, I always feel judged by my peers for not being good at my job. You know, it's it's it still carries on. And even last night, a friend wanted to ch chat uh, about their problem, but I thought I was going to get told off. So, um, so it's developed an expectation, yeah, a structure where there's an expectation of being abused. Mm. Yeah. So what I'm going to suggest you do when we finish this, or, or once the uh, video is available, is you go back. And you start making notes. There's a there's a, a worksheet thing that we call a hydra. Hmm. And if you remember in Greek philosophy, the hydra was the creature that when you cut her head off, a dozen other heads grew out of the stump where you cut the head off. Hmm. And what you just shared with us is this is a hydra worksheet for you. You yes. just shared two or three places where it's shown up in your life. So these would be good worksheets for you to do. So I suggest you sit down and rewatch this video. We'll stay focused on this worksheet, but you rewatch this video and go through each time. The, do a worksheet on what happened with last night with that coworker and how your mind set it up. Do you know worksheets on how you've been treated at school as an adult. And they'd each be the hydro worksheets that'll help you to clear this whole thing up. Did it? Uh, but, well, I did write it down on paper, but then um, okay. I couldn't That's keep right. up with it all. Um, so first of all, it's yourself. Yes. I, I and say. Use your name. I release and surrender myself. My name. I, and use your name. I release and surrender myself, Sarah, to love. To love. And then the emotion was fear. And I release and surrender fear to love. Yeah. And then number one C was Mr. Bolger. Oh, Mr. Bolger, yeah. I release Bolger. and surrender Mr. Bolger to love. Okay. And I release and surrender the story. I release and surrender the story to love. Well, be, be more specific. You know, repeat what oh. the story was, what oh, you wrote yeah. in there. Okay. I release and surrender... Um, 
being collared in the in the cloakroom and um, told off, I released that to love. Yeah, and being brought up in front of the classroom and and humiliated. Yeah, and really humiliating. humiliating. Yeah, yeah. But so yeah. I that. Yeah. I'm going to let that humiliation go. Um, yeah, release and surrender that humiliation. Because yeah. notice that your mind's still playing out that humiliation on yourself. And mm-hmm. notice, this, this is another piece of the puzzle. It, it moves in a different direction. In our codependence work, we introduce a concept of what we call a power person. Mm-hmm. And three things happen to develop a power person dynamic. And when these three things happen simultaneously... And it's usually a child, and it's oftentimes with an adult or an authority figure, but can also happen in adulthood. But the three things that happen is that, one, the person who we're going to identify as the power person, we're going to talk about instilling a power person dynamic in our minds. The person who's going to be the power person, number one, is not functioning as love, Mm. has more power over my life than I do, and I perceive it as survival physical or psychological survival, maybe even financial survival. They can be the dynamics. So when those three things happen, Mm. they got more power than I do. They're not functioning as love. And I perceive it as survival. What happens is as an energy field, when you realize this body, mind unit, an energy field, the energy field opens wide and it becomes like a sponge. And it literally just sucks in every energy from the environment. Literally every mental energy, every emotional energy, everything that's going on is is literally just taken in with no censoring. In the future, that becomes the control of our behavior. And I'd offer that this power person dynamic is what runs the world. And until we confront it, understand it and work through it in ourselves, it will run virtually every moment of our lives. And here's how it runs it. Once a power person dynamic is instilled, and it sounds like that was a moment for you where that was instilled, there are only three behaviors that we'll do for the rest of our lives. And they'll be based on that power person dynamic. Now, this thing with Mr. Bolger might have been a reflection of something earlier with perhaps a parent. I don't know. Yes. But it really doesn't matter. But this is the mm-hmm. dynamic. And the, the behaviors that we'll do will be controlled by the level of stress that we're under. When there's no stress, you know, there's a thing in the mind, we do a course called Laws of Living, and we identify what we call the automatic decision system. When the automatic decision kick, system kicks in and there's no stress, I'll do whatever I did to get along with my power person. When stress starts to build, I'll move out of doing what I did to get along with them, and I'll do what I did to resist and survive with them. When I become ultra-stressed, I'll do what my power person did to me that I hated the most. Runs the world. Mm -hmm. And so I ask you the question, have you ever found yourself, when you're under stress, humiliating people? Oh, um, no, I don't think so. I don't think I turn it outward and do it to other people. Okay. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to think about that one because obviously I have to do, I do have to uh, uh, um, do classroom management as well because I work at a school. Right. Um, 
So do you ever find yourself using any humiliation tactics to keep control in the classroom? Which means when I feel like I need to be in control is when I'm under stress. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I suppose it's cultural, culturally acceptable to be say, we talk about the children's silly behaviour, yes, silly behaviour, you know, at first I found that quite offensive when I first started at the school, but because we all identify silly behaviour as silly, um, I now it's speak about silly behaviour, but at first I found it quite, uh, because obviously I was would have been called silly, um, as well, yeah. and stupid and all sorts of words like that. I never called a child stupid, but uh, but we do commonly talk about silly behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, well, maybe uh, but, you'll be the one that changes the norm in that whole system and honors children more because every behavior a, children do, a child does is done in order to accomplish a goal. And when we can support the child and their behaviors that we consider to be silly or abhorrent or unacceptable, the child is doing them for a valid purpose. And yeah. when we can validate the child and open the space of safety and bring love present, then they can forgive what's in them. That which is in them can be removed, and they'll step up to the plate and become totally different beings. Mm, interesting. Yeah. But it's about creating that space of safety and healing. And most of us don't ever look at these mm. power person dynamics because when they happened, it wasn't safe to look or deal with it. I, I so, think I think the, the behavior I do to other people is to ignore them and zone them out. So I make them invisible um, if I'm upset with, with them. I'll avoid so notice, them. Yeah. So, so notice that in that whole situation, you mm. what you did to yourself was become invisible in that power person dynamic. The thing that you hated the most was what he did that mm. brought you to invisibility. And now you're treating other people as though they're invisible. Yes. yes. As opposed to, you know, what, what somebody who's in pain really needs is somebody to be there with them. Yes. And somebody course, that, that's a human being that's, that yes. is the active presence of love and, and is able to interact with them and hold the space that supports them and working through whatever's going on. I mean, that's the thing that's so desperately needed in our culture. And I don't care whether it's, you know, the guy who was just the president of the United States. You know, I wouldn't want to live in that man's body. When I listen to the language, the words, the, the, the things that he does, I think of, oh, my God, that man is in so much pain. And he doesn't have anywhere where he can open that up and heal. And so he just keeps carrying on the power person dynamic in his life. And that's what virtually everybody's doing. And what we need are people who are empowered enough to be able to be the space and support the cleaning up of this mass insanity that's running our culture. So mm. starting with the kids, a powerful place to do it. Mm. Okay. Cool. Sweet. All right. So let's move on to number two. Oh, okay. So what I'm going to do now So I've done that verbal release. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to start to acknowledge that if my mind's lying to me, I'm more interested in the truth than my mind's lie. And so in in doing that, I'm ready to embrace everything that's in me, whether it's my own experience or generational patterns. I'm willing to embrace those things and begin to move through it. So number two starts out with an acknowledgement of that. Mm. And so I choose to love truth. 
And actually, you could scratch that word love and change it to honor truth. That's a, a change we've made in the worksheet. That should really be honor. I choose to honor truth and willingly face and process out all disease-producing energies for or from all of my relations or all of my generations. And I actually kind of took that out of the Native American um, teachings on, on healing, and they have a phrase, you know, if a, a Native American a person is going into a sweat lodge or a healing ceremony, they'll stop at the door of the sweat and they'll say, Matakwiasan, and Matakwiasan means for all of my relations. That I realize I'm not doing this healing process just for me, but as I enter into this sweat, I'm willing to take on the burdens from all of my generations and, and literally energetically become the space. Right now, there's some processing happening for me. If you were to look at, if you can see it on the camera, I don't know if you can, but the air on my arms and my legs is standing up because for me, this is reaching a whole new level of, of the recognition of the willingness that I'm willing to, and we can all take on the energetic traumas of our generations mm. and be the space for healing that. Mm. Because there's so many generations that went before us that didn't have a clue what to do about it. So, so with sincerity, I join you in saying that I'm willing to take on these generational patterns. And then number 1B, I'm willing to go through the physical, mental, and emotional symptoms of healing. Yes. So when I realize that this energy system has been in development for thousands of generations, when a, 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 a disintegrative quality of energy came into my structure, it created symptoms. And if I've adapted and shut that down and I have my fifth of scotch so I don't have to look at it and I do my little bit of rage or trauma and I don't have to look at those things, I hide that from myself. Now I'm ready to reverse the flow of energy. Instead of pouring trauma in and trying to keep it shut down, I'm willing to embrace it. I'm willing to let it open and move on every level that it can open and move. And there are basically three levels on which healing happens. And this is one of the reasons why literally our whole Western world has become drugged because we don't want to deal with what's in here. And the drugs are used to shut those things down. So now I want to open and, and literally visualize my whole energy field right down to my genes being able to open. And I'm willing to embrace and go through those energies. And on a physical level, Healing looks like any kind of physical symptom you've ever had and low energy. On a mental level, it looks like any kind of negative thought you've ever had and confusion. On an emotional level, it looks like any kind of negative feeling you've ever had and depression. So they're the kinds of things, and that's what I was talking about with the gentleman earlier in his question of stepping, dropping into those things. Am I willing to open my field and embrace and move through those things? Mm, yes. And so... This is just a request that you acknowledge that and our step into willingness. Okay. Um, I, Sarah, am willing to go through the physical, mental, and emotional symptoms of healing. Good. Okay. Number three. So I'm, I'm in the space of willingness. Now I want to look at 
what the key driver is for this pain perception. So my desire, the constructive result, the exact goal that drives my pain perception is that I want number one, see my trigger too. So if you were to go back, you're standing there at the front of the room, Mr. Bolger's doing his thing. If you were to be able to just put a halt on that whole scene and say, Mr. Bolger, right now, what I'd really like from you is, what would that be? Go oh. back and be that young child. <laughs> to teach me, to teach me, because I couldn't yeah. read. <laughs> I just got sent out all the time. Yeah. Okay. So then, so, so, so now this is the goal mm. that drives perception. So in essence, what I hear is that what you were looking for was support mm. rather than rejection and, uh, and mm. criticism. Yes. So each time you do a worksheet, you want to look at what's the constructive result. You can't, a worksheet won't work with what you don't want. It's like, you know, most people, if they've thought of that, would say, well, Mr. Bolger, I don't ever want you to do this to me again. That won't get you there. It's Mr. Bolger, what I really need, what I really want is for you to teach me and, and support me in what needs to happen. And think of those kids in school that they say are silly. You know what they're asking for? Attention. Mm. Support and teaching. Mm. Yeah, exactly the same thing. So then write that in number six or number uh, three. Yes. Construct a result and make sure you breathe. Which, which there's two gaps. Um, something might trigger something. So you're in number three. Mm. My desire, the constructive oh, yes. result. Oh, should yeah, just be one blank one. Yeah, I didn't read the whole sentence. My desire, the constructive result, the exact goal of the drives of my pain perception, is that Mr. Bolger, uh, my trigger. I, I'm confused now. Sorry. Okay, so Mr. Bolger is your trigger, mm-hmm. and what's the concern? What is I want from him? I wanted support oh, and caring. Yeah, support. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, yeah. And, yeah one one time he he uh, told me off for having a reading age of eight when I was thinking, well, just help me. Um, don't no. tell me off for it. It's not my what fault. What are you here for? <laughs> You're exactly. the teacher. Yeah, exactly. Help me. Yeah. I mean, tell me off for being naughty, but don't tell me off for not been able to read. So how many times those children that your culture has taught you to think about is silly, Mm. that's really what they're asking for. That's really They're asking for support, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then that would be your answer. That would be the goal. Yes. That's the core of this worksheet. Yes. Okay. Now, before we step into doing what it takes to can't collapse, the pain perception here, what I want to do is tap into and bring forward the presence of active love. Okay. If you hold a newborn child and you tap into the essence of that newborn, you'll notice that the newborn is love. And if you ask yourself the question when you're holding the newborn, is the newborn loving me? 
you have to say, no, the newborn isn't loving me. The newborn is love. That's the essence of that newborn. And then recognize that's the essence of you and I. Mm -hmm. That's what each of us are. That's the truth of us. So I want to bring that essence forward here in number three. So I choose love, my essence, which then stirs the love and everyone involved. Yes. If I get lost in my pain and trauma through resonance, literally, you know, there's a camera called the Delaware camera that that literally can take a picture of the high energy waves that leave the mind when we think a thought. If I'm in my trauma, what tends to happen? You know, if I'm a teacher who's been traumatized as a kid and I stand in front of a classroom and this child's in trauma, I'm in trauma, then I'm going to tend to resonate more of that in the child. And what I want to do is I want to heal those dynamics in myself so that I can stand as a space of active love. And, and I like to tell a story you'll see at the end of that sentence there is the, the rose and the butterfly. Mm. It's illustrative of the point. Let's imagine that we have, we give a, the rose and the butterfly an ego. They inter, we introduce them. They meet. They fall in love. They have this wonderful time together. And one day the butterfly up and flies away. What happens to the rose when it uproots itself to give chase? It dies. Why does it die? It dies because it made something more important than being connected to its source. Yes, that's nice. Your source, my source, is love. Mm -hmm. If we make anything else more important, then we uproot ourselves from the truth of who we are, and we live in a whole false construct of self. If you go back to the Aramaic language, you hear this man Yeshua saying, in order for you to live, you've got to die. That false self that we've identified with from our disconnected state, uprooted from love, we've created this false self. Oh, I'm strong. I'm powerful. I'm good enough. All these crazy things. And there's no connection to the truth of who we are. So you want to start to tap in more and more and cultivate your relationship with yourself as active love. Yes. So the objective of this step three is to bring love present into the process, or step four, pardon me. And then in step five, now we're going to do the action steps. 5A, and and basically this is kind of a review of the whole process. When upset, my perception, my mind's construct, is built of corrupt data driven by my goal, number three, the goal to be cared for by Mr. Folger. It is a limiting structure constructed from a max of nine bits of data out of 10,000 brain cells firing. By canceling my goal, my replicate mind, and that's this carbon-based memory system can only replicate what's in it, my replicate mind's reality collapses. So by canceling the goal, my replicate mind's construct collapses and gives me direct contact with the underlying denied and dissociated parts of my carbon-based memory, which projects and blames others for its content. So here's the action step. Back, I'm tapping into the presence of love. The more powerfully love is present, the deeper the internal processing will go. Well, holding love conscious, active, and present, I now choose to collapse my mind's lies by willingly canceling my goal for Mr. Bolger to teach, support, and hold love for me. Yes. And breathe. Mm 
and and notice that you've drawn yourself a whole community of people that are right here holding you in that space and supporting you in this process that you're doing. Yes. Nice work. That's pretty powerful. Yeah, thank you. You must have really been ready for this. (laughs) That's awesome. Yes, I think I am. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So I'm I'm canceling that goal. Yeah. And then there's a second part to it. When you realize that, you know, this nine-bit construct, underlying it might literally be, I mean, to, to really develop, you know, a picture my mind constructs of all this world that I think is out there that's really a construct from in here, some mass, maybe trillions of bits of data. And I have what, what we metaphorically call a nine-bit mind, you know, nine bits of data going on here. How long is it going to take me to process, process through these trillions of bits of data doing it nine bits at a time? It's like, good luck, it's never going to happen. Well, 2,000 years ago, Yeshua taught that inside of us, there was a, an elemental force, an elemental force that was feminine in nature, that if we invited it into activity, in, in our modern language, we would maybe call it the super processor. So, but literally, each one of us inside of us, there's this capacity, there's this elemental force, in Aramaic it was called Ruka Dekudsha, it's feminine, and by definition, and you'll see the definitions down at the bottom of the page, look at Ruka Dekudsha, she who undoes the effects of my errors and teaches me the truth. So when I'm ready to collapse this construct that I've been holding on to tightly because I think it's survival and I think it's who I am, when I'm ready to let it go and I'm ready to invite this elemental force into activity, what I'll find is there's an energy that starts to move in me that is not of my human nature, that is not something I can even comprehend. But if I'm willing to move, if I'm willing to be with it, it literally will begin to undo these unconscious structures. And if I'm in a space of listening, it will start to instruct me. That's Ruka Dukucha in Aramaic. There's there's a power in us literally that energetically has contact with the whole world. And if we'll let ourselves be in touch with it, it's been called intuition. If we'll let ourselves be in touch with it, it will explain anything and everything to us. So here's the invitation. You're, You're inviting that power to go to work in you in step number 5B. Yes. So I invite... And whatever term you would use, the, the Greek scriptures translated these words, Ruka de Kutcha is the Holy Spirit. It doesn't have anything to do with some disembodied spirit being. It literally is a feminine elemental force inside of us that is never going to violate our free will. We can keep it shut away or we can invite it into activity. And literally you will begin to be taught things that are so specific it will boggle your mind. Yeah. So this is a space to invite Ruka into activity. And there's a blank there. You'll see the Aramaic, Ruka de Kutsha. Down below, you can see the definition. But I usually, when I do a worksheet, I just short form this. Do I invite Ruka? And there's several things we suggest you invite that elemental force in you to do. One, to incline me toward healing. Like most people, like I'm in my drama and trauma, and that's how I win. And don't talk to me about that healing stuff. I need this rage to protect me while I'm shifting that. I want 
I want support from underneath to incline my mind toward healing, to restore me to my newborn essence, love. And you'll see if a hand points over to Rachma, that when that's restored, there's a filter in the frontal lobes of the brain that opens up and literally is the gateway that our created essence love enters this human form. So I'm asking for support in being restored to that newborn essence, which is love. I'm being asked to heal my denial and my capacity to generate the emotion. If you go up to number one, button B, it was fear. You want to transfer that down here. I'm, I'm going to ask to be, to be empowered to free myself of even the capacity to generate fear, no matter what happens in my world. Fear narrows the perceptual constructs of the mind and leaves us in corrupt data. So I'm asking for help to eradicate that from my life and from my bloodline. And then asking, I ask to help an open, direct, conscious relationship with and gently remove the denied and dissociated parts of my carbon-based memory. So there's several things, and, and you know, it's, it's a big mouthful the first time you do it, but there's several things over time that you'll see that you, you'll start to get assistance. And these things just starting to shift like, gee, I didn't even do anything, and, and here's this change. And that's the power of this worksheet process. So how about just reading through that? I invite, okay. and, you know, it, it, you know, in say, for instance, AA groups, it's called the higher power, yeah. whatever term you have for it. Uh, well, I'll have a go with Ruka. Um, okay. I invite Ruka Dakuta. Um, sorry, I've got to turn the pace. Um, to incline me towards healing, to restore my, um, what's a Rachma filter? Um, and my gateway to the frontal lobes to maintain love, my newborn essence, heal my denial and capacity to generate the emotion of fear. Okay. And help me to open. And, oh, and help me to open a direct conscious relationship. Um, oh, sorry. Um, and with and gently remove the denied disassociated dissociated 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 um and projected parts of my carbon-based memory now the first time you do it that's a big mouthful once you get used yeah. to it it'll, it'll roll yeah. pretty useful so so you've done two things now i've canceled yeah. my goal mr bolger to be of support and to be caring and i'm asking to clean up all the internal dynamics that I've created in my life around this. And let yourself take a breath and just be with that. And as you do, how do you feel? Yeah, I do feel uh, lighter. Lighter, okay. So then in the next step, I now feel. I now feel lighter, there. lighter. And then when I think back to this situation in number mm. one with mm. Mr. Bulger, Mm. How does that look to me now? Um, I do feel bigger and taller and more able and more, 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 more visible. Awesome. Mm. Nice shift. Mm. So go ahead and make a note of that. That's powerful. Yes. Yes. I might redo the worksheet when I watch back the, the thingy, mm -hmm. the replay, because sure. I, I've sort of written things down in a weird way and um, I can't. It's much more difficult to write things when you're on the call than when you're watching. 
Well, and, and you're in one of your issues. Here you are on the spot. Yeah, so the, yeah on the, the spot. issue that you're working on is here you are the one that's doing this whole process uh, yeah, for yeah. everybody and, uh, yeah. you know, being out there. So, so I understand mm. that. And that's a nice shift to get, especially, you know, being right out there on the spot with that being your issue. That's really powerful. Yeah. I like that, that your, your language was so clear. It's like, I feel bigger. Mm. You move beyond the perceptions of a small child into mm. the perception of an adult, into a different construct. And that's, yes. that's life-changing. Yes. Nice. Cool. Thank you. Okay. And, uh, and then the next step, seeing how now you're, you're looking at that particular goal yes. and how it's impacted your life. Yes. You want to look at a time when you perhaps have violated that goal, when someone else wanted your love and support, and instead you did something different. So the, the last well, that's part. That's probably my mum then, probably not being supportive to my mum while she's okay. had all her operations. Okay. So I'm going to write that down then, when I've not fulfilled the goal of being supportive. And that's been with mom. And, and as you say that, what feeling comes with that? Um, oops, sorry. Well, Breathe. It, yeah, it is a little bit anger as well. Uh, like um, I'm withholding it on purpose uh, to be a bit punishing, really. Yeah. Because she, she, she could have done something about it, uh, but she never did either. So, so I think I'll no, get my own back. <laughs> yeah. So here's your Hydra. So this I'd offer is a night, your, one of your next worksheets. Yeah. Is to do one on mom. Yeah. And how you wanted her to do something and she didn't. That'll be the next one to do. Okay. That'll be another piece of the puzzle. And then the final step, step seven. A principle of the universe is that by giving, I first get the original. So I want to, one, tap into gratitude, as Yinka has shared with us in the opening, you know, when the groups get together to share something we're grateful for. There's been a lot of research done on the healing power of gratitude. So I'm grateful for this opportunity to heal. I choose truth and perfect love. We, we spoke about it in step two. I want to honor truth. Once again, I'm reminding myself, that whatever my constructs are, if they're not based in love, it's a lie. It's corrupt data. And I'm willing to go for the truth. I'm willing to always be in the flow of love through me. In fact, you know, the best definition that I've been able to come up with in 50 years of doing, developing this work is that life is love flowing through a cell. Anything that we do to inhibit love flowing through our cells is a step in the direction of self-annihilation. Yes. And so I want to tap into that flow and be in that flow. Truth and perfect love. There, there's a Just quickly, there's a corresponding filter to Rachma that's in the frontal lobes of the brain in Aramaic. There's a second filter over the perceptual part of the mind called Kuba. The two filters together were called perfect love. And you remember they said perfect love casts out fear. This, again, mm -hmm. is a powerful psychological statement of truth. When Rachman and Kuber said, your mind, it doesn't matter what you're facing in your world, your mind can't produce a fear-based reality. It's not possible. 
And that means that you're always in touch with the highest levels of intelligence possible for a human being. No matter what's going on in your world, if you're aware that you want to keep those two filters set. So that was called perfect love in Aramaic. So I want to tap in and acknowledge truth and perfect love. And then I'm talking to now to the object of the worksheet, number one C, Mr. Bolger. Mr. Bolger, based on number three. So I'm going to do this, this goal setting. I'm going to set a goal toward him. Based on this goal that I'm dealing with of wanting to be be supported by you and taught by you, I'm going to structure a true loving, truly loving goal toward you and offer you this. So now, I don't know, maybe Mr. Bolger's dead and gone. It doesn't really matter. But in your yeah. mind, is there something that any time you think of him, you're willing to offer him? Um, and or if you happen to walk down the street and meet him on the street, instead of the old energy that probably would have been claws out, what goal would you be willing to have toward him? This smile. I will offer him a smile. Yeah. Nice. Nice. And notice when you do a smile what it does to your chemistry. Yeah. I get the original, they get the carbon copy. <laughs> That's why Yeshua taught have rachma when you think of neighbor. And, and interestingly enough, in the Aramaic language, the word neighbor means anybody that you think about. Mm. It's not a physical word. It doesn't mean the guy down the block. The word neighbor literally means anybody that you think about, anybody mentally near to you as your neighbor. And, and if you choose to stay connected to love, you've given yourself the gift of maintaining your human life. Whatever anybody else is, the worst person in the world, if you were facing them, you want to maintain your human life. You do that by maintaining Rachma, perfect love. Mm. And you're at your most intelligent, your most capable. 